So you've heard of us mentioning on many episodes that uh, aircraft mechanics here in the U.S. anyway are labeled as unskilled labor. And, and we've had so many questions about that, ourselves included, about why that is. So we decided today to have this episode to address that and explore a little bit about why that is. Um, yeah, and it's actually, uh, you know, we're, we, we're going to learn just as much as you're going to learn. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, we're, we're pulling on an article here um, dated back in uh, 2017. Um, but still it, 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 it provides some, some good information in a six and hour talking before the show. Uh, w- we've learned that being a Jack of all trade doesn't help sometimes in the <laughs> calling yourself skilled, right? Yes. Well, how are you skilled on a hundred different things? That's kind of, it's kind of what we've, you know, learned via this article, but, but we'll get rolling through it here and you guys will see. Yes. So this article is, again, from 2017, and it's uh, written by the Aircraft uh, Mate Mechanics Fraternal Association. So this isn't like a union for, let's say, it's not a, spe- a union specific to one place, but I want, I want to say it's kind of like an all-encompassing union specifically for aircraft mechanics technicians and avionics technicians. There's a whole bunch of uh, organizations in this article that are cited with this. Um, and their whole goal of this is to kind of break up the misconception about aircraft mechanics or aircraft maintenance technicians being unskilled. And as we're reading through this, we've learned quite a lot as what MVP has said, like uh, especially in terms of mechanics or aircraft mechanics are unskilled. And so when, when we first thought about this, before, this, before we looked up uh, evidence for this uh, episode, we, we, we were dating this back for since the Nixon era where we're considered unskilled, we're considered not knowing, we're considered like haphazard labor, you know, like we're, we're not smart in the head, right? And there's been many organization and events and incidents that suggest otherwise that aircraft mechanics are indeed skilled and are indeed know what the hell they're doing. And how this kind of sort of came about it started with the Department of Labor and how they used to classify what they would understand as skilled or unskilled occupations. Uh, and then according to this article, that classification hasn't been used since the 80s. And that I kind of fell into the line with uh, what, what that misconception is, especially during the Nixon era, because a lot of the mechanics th- that uh, around that time are still in the occupation. Right, so their uh, their burns, I want to say, their burns, their scars, their their fingers in the face, kind of stuck with them throughout. And to kind of pull them out of it, it's kind of hard, especially when they've already embedded that that knowledge to other mechanics down the line, which later trickled down to us, and then some of the newer mechs and technicians coming up. And with that said. The, the Department of Labor no longer uses that classification. They use this newer system, say, where they assign certain occupations a certain level of points. They call this the... Um, specific Vocational Preparation Score? Is that what that is? Yes, that Specific Vocational Preparation Score. And what that means is uh, they, they assign some kind of point system that 
you need this much prep time to be able to gain the average knowledge to successfully perform a job, right? So like uh, the SVP is where the technician or the occupation requires that you learn the techniques, acquire the information and develop the facility needed to perform a job. And this score is rated from one to nine. One being like requires minimal to no prep time, say like an elevator button pusher doesn't take much to push a button, <laughs> especially one that lights up when you press it. And, uh, and then up to nine where it's like it requires the most amount of time somewhere around the realm of 10 years. Think like, say, a brain surgeon in order yeah, for him to some, like, some sort of, you know, neurosurgeon or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, like somewhere where like it takes you a long time to fully understand how to do your job on the average, not do it great, just on the average. And then the scale from one to nine is further broken down to other groups. Go figure. And they call it, they break them down into zones. So like zone one is comprised of scores under four. Then zone two for scores four, but less than six. Zone three, six, but less than seven. Uh, four, seven, less than eight, and then zone five is the highest one, which is eight and above. Sounds like a lot. I know for us, like this was a lot of shit. Yeah, and- it's it's really interesting to like learn that there's. It's almost like uh, an ASVAB, so to speak. Yes, and then and then there's subcategory grading to that. Yes, and if any of you guys <clears throat> are curious as to where your occupation or your industry falls into this score in this zone. If you guys go to uh, onetonline.org and search your occupation, it'll it'll show up in kind of like a bullet form about what the D- Department of Labor classifies your occupation, like a for- air quote formal occupation. There'll be some codes to it. And then as you scroll down through it, it'll give you like a job zone assignment. And it's usually anywhere between one, one through five, right? And then based what we said, uh, if it's in zone three or higher, then it's considered skilled labor. <clears throat> and then likewise, say like if you're in the military, uh, they have this section there where it's called crosswalks. Like say like you're in a very military specific uh, job, like say like a uh, missile launch repair person, right? There's n- there's no other occupation like that in the, in the civilian world, like ever, because no one fires rockets at people or places for a living. <laughs> right? well, I, you didn't, you weren't around my neighborhood on the 4th of July. Then there was clearly that happening. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, since we're going on a tangent on this, <laughs> this is so I was true. standing, I was standing in the master bedroom, uh, which faces the street in my home. And I looked out the window and you're supposed to see fireworks going vertical. And one came, uh, horizontal, uh, North to South. I opened the curtains I saw that happen and I was like oh and I just closed the curtains <laughs> it's just like who the hell's shooting this shit murder? and it was one of the big ones like an M80 and the thing boom at that oh second god. story level in the middle of the street car alarms going off and shit oh my god it oh was, my. so so people do shoot rockets at each other for a living on the 4th of July <laughs> I stand corrected <laughs> <laughs> and it's all um, you know what yeah. So like with the crosswalks, you, uh, you 
that's mostly for military people, but say like you have a military specific job and it's only found or most commonly found in the military, you type up what service you're in and then what your occupation is called in that service. And then it'll translate that into closely related civilian occupations, right? So like instead of missile, re- missile launch repairman, now you go to something like a missile launch quality assurance or missile assembly quality assurance or missile manufacturing, something Near to that fi- effect. Missile final assembly production tech, something or other, you know. Something to that effect. Yeah. So like, so that's a hint too for all you guys in the military. If you're curious about what your job translates into the, into the civilian world or you're looking for a job that kind of sort of fits to what you guys do, there's their hint. Ownetonline.org and go to the crosswalks. And that's for anybody, really. So you kind of see like where your skills match up to another occupation that you're kind of sort of thinking of going into. Let's say like aircraft mechanics. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and I think here, uh, as we go down this article, this is where we feel the misconception starts. Yeah, actually, I wanted to cover this next part, uh, if you don't mind, six. For sure. So I'll read this paragraph to everyone here. Uh, is, this is where it gets a little tricky. Although the Department of Labor no longer classifies occupations with a skilled, semi-skilled, or unskilled title, the SVP score could impact you directly, or it could impact you indirectly correlates to classifications used by the Social Security Administration and when, uh, when making disability determinations. But their classifications, right, in the Social Security office are, guess what, skilled, semi-skilled, and unskilled. <laughs> so, Christ on a cracker, you know. Um, an SVP score of one to two falls into the unskilled category. Three to four indicates semi-skilled work. And then five to nine uh, is a skilled, considered skilled labor. Yes. So, Department of Labor says, guess what? We're, we're not going to use those no more. We're going to use these job, uh, these job zones. Uh, but, but then for your retirement, for your benefits, for your, uh, pay, um, you know, they go, they go to the old ways. So in typical government fashion, they are all on the same page and here for you. <laughs> they're on the same page, but they're different. They're playing different songs, you know, <laughs> Yeah. how does that work? But sure. So like I heard a song on the radio last night and it was from the eighties. And I think we we've hit, you know, not to go on a side tangent too much here, but we've hit a uh, peak with music creation uh, <laughs> as humanity. So <laughs> we're now recycling old songs from the 80s, but they're trying to put their mashup on it. And I, I swear to God, uh, it was the modern version of you ever see a SpongeBob episode where they had to play in the Super Bowl? Yeah. <laughs> and they're all learning to play instruments and nothing sounds right. And yeah. it's uh it's like nails on a chalkboard. That's how this song was. And that's kind of what these two departments are here. They're, <laughs> they're, they're trying to do the same thing, but, but one's uh, playing the clarinet terribly and the other one's using the violin as a hammer. So uh, just really efficient. And as most of you are aware, you know, the government's uber efficient. <laughs> there we go. So I, that's where we feel it gets, it starts, right? And we're thinking is department of labor, which is, halfway true but then it's also classified with the social security administration when it in terms of benefits and disability claims and stuff and then those guys go into skilled and unskilled or skilled semi-skilled and and unskilled so where does aircraft maintenance fall into all this right what zone are we what score are we and 
what and what's going on from that. So as far as uh, aircraft maintenance technicians and avionics people are concerned, we fall into uh, zone three, which is scores six, but below seven. So based on either based on either one with the Department of Labor and Social Security Administration, we're considered skilled labor, right? So mis- semi misconception con- answered our brains imploded. <laughs> we're, we're considered skilled labor, right? We are considered skilled in the eyes of the SVP. Yes. And Department of Labor. Yes. Now, here's where it gets convoluted because <laughs> this, this sounds too good to be true, right? Like, because if this if this is true, then why are we still? Why is that misconception still rolling, right? And then here's, I want to say, here's the, the absolute source of this idea that we are considered unskilled labor. It's because when you look at these zones and you look at the codes and you look at the scores, you look at aircraft maintenance as a whole, it's not just aircraft maintenance technician or avionics technician. We break down into different uh, specialties, right? You have ramp technicians, you have engine technicians, you have engine overhaul technicians, uh, you have people who are just removing install, you got ground support equipment techs, you got seat and life support techs, all kinds of stuff, right? And as a whole, we have to do kind of sort of a little bit of everything on that, right? For the, or at least for the most part, anyway, like you as an AMP mechanic, depending on what organization you're with, you're kind of like the solve it all person for that organization especially if you're aog we're just not gonna uh well mvp can attest to this the most like when they send you on a call as an aog they kind of expect you that whatever the problem is you're gonna figure it out and fix it yeah you're gonna work you're gonna work engine uh issues you're gonna work hydro system issues you're gonna work avionic system issues you're gonna work um um cabin uh you know cabin environmental control issues you're going to work life support systems you know uh you're you're going to touch there's not really anything on that that asset you won't touch or that you're not expected to touch as an a&p right in an aog environment right and then even with the a&p certification process you know you have the engines you have airframes and you have general right there's a lot of stuff that can fall under general and there's a reason why they group it as general because you're going to see enough of it, but not so much that you're going to have to be specifically certified for this. And avionics people see this the most because there's a basic understanding of how to handle avionics equipment. And then there's a deeper dive where you guys are digging into digital logic. You're digging into the codes. You're making wires from scratch, all kinds of craziness, right? That's, there's too much but not enough to have you have every single one of you spec- or specialize in that specific thing. And then that's where like the department of labor comes in with these different groups, right? So like for different specialties, they have these different groups and it kind of goes from broad to narrow major to minor and then um, broad versus detailed. It's, it sounds very convoluted just by saying this. And I'm kind of confused, honestly, about where they went, where, what their logic was when they went with it. And it, but it kind of make it kind of makes sense. But at the same time, if you were to look at these groups, for example, they have major group, which is code forty nine dash four zeros, installation, maintenance, and repair, equipment mechanics, 
And then there's a minor group, 49-3000, almost the exact same verbiage, vehicle and mobile equipment mechanics, installers and repairs. So the major group being aircraft mechanics, the minor group being like just basic mechanics, like say autumn, like entry level like your, automotive. Your, like your aid shop, your ground support equipment stuff. Yeah. Or like entry level automotive stuff. And then, then you have a broad occupation group, 49-3010, aircraft mechanics and service technicians, pretty much like the, the ramp agents or the, the ramp techs that just, uh, they just top off your oil levels and service your tires and then Bob's your uncle, they're out of there. And then they have a detailed occupation group, 49-3011, aircraft mechanics, I'm sorry, aircraft mechanics are fallen, uh, aircraft mechanics and service technicians. That's it. There's no other explanation other than aircraft mechanics. And Which is techs. weird because the 3010 is aircraft mechanics and service technicians. And the detailed one <clears throat> is also aircraft mechanics and service technicians. Right. So you see how it's getting confusing even for us. Cause like if they're different codes, but they say the same damn thing. Right. Yeah. And so what's that? We'll have to look those up and determine what that, the fine verbiage is in that. Right. You know, right. That, that separates the, uh, those, ca- those categories. Right. And then likewise, we have avionics technicians. They have, the minor group, which is 49-2000, electrical and electronic equipment mechanics, installers and repairs. The broad group, 49-2090, which is miscellaneous electrical and electronic equipment mechanics and installers repairs. And then detailed occupation group, 49-2091, avionics technician. Okay. So it's, <laughs> it's okay. kind of... It's kind of it's kind of crazy, right? So the minor group is electrical and electronic equipment mechanics, installers, and repairs. Broad is miscellaneous electrical and electronic equipment mechanics, installers, and repairs. And detailed is avionics technicians. So as you go up in your skill set, the less verbiage you get. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Does and that then, mean because you're detailed, like you're the jack of all trades, you're the master of every system? So we don't have to, you know, delineate. Uh, the specifics because you do it all. I don't know. Pretty I wild mean, though, huh? I mean, that's kind of like how it sounds like to me, right? And then here, here's the funny part. Uh, as aircraft mechanics and avionics technicians, now all those different specialties, you all, since you do it all and you understand a good majority of it, you technically fall under all those groups. <laughs> your, yeah, major and, your major and minor at the same time. <laughs> now that sounds cool right like hell yeah i i i'm freaking like what's what's that where it says I, i'm omnipresent i'm everywhere and anywhere at the same time <laughs> or what's it i'm anywhere and nowhere at the same time yeah i am uh i am i am everything and all things no i am everything and nothing yes <laughs> right that sounds like some boot so what, what was that what was that movie uh uh, the kingdom or something like that. It was basically back in the crusades. Um, and the one dude, you know, he was in France and he goes on the crusade over to the middle East or whatever. And he's fighting. Uh, uh, I can't remember the, the, the it's a, based on a historical, uh, had a couple of his, uh, true historical figures in it, but he, you know, 
they're fighting over over Jerusalem and why it's so important to both you know Christianity and and Islam. But at the end, you know the uh, the is the Islamists that you know they they win, and he asked the the head of them. He goes, "Why is this land so important to you? Because it means everything and nothing." And he rides away on a horse. And you're like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> right. That's kind of a terrible excuse, but but yeah, that's exactly what it's like for us here. Like we are everything and nothing at the same time. Now, why is this a problem? And why should we care about it? And why should we do anything to fix it? So if any of you, anyone here has ever ran stats on anything, or has anyone ever had to be part of like a, a data analysis group, you having one factor that exists in two or three different fields becomes extremely confusing and it gives you very bad data, right? So if you have one point that ha- that exists in three fields at the exact same time, unless you stipulate to expand those those fields so you can get a better picture of things it's going to give you false answers and uh, a lot of this exists especially when they were doing like uh, assessments back in 2014 for like the forecast of aircraft maintenance power or manpower or workforce uh, requirements so back in 2014 they would do like an assessment that says up to 2024 or up to 2031 or whatever the case may be we do do like a 10-year snapshot we expect to have this these requirements and if you're grouped in all of those at the same and none of those at the same time you're going to get some false numbers like uh, example with this one uh, government assessment that they did they've projected in 2014 that they were going to need uh 1600 aircraft maintenance technicians between 2014 to 2024 no <laughs> that's a right. big that's a bold-faced lie like 1600 or 1600 is probably like just three airlines just one repair station yeah that, that's like one or three airlines in california alone that's it so, so yeah, that's years, lax that's john wayne in san diego and that's palm springs like it, what about oakland san francisco san jose you know what i mean yeah and so that's like less than one percent of the entire amt workforce so we're figuring in 10 years, we're only going to see 1,600 openings? No. And again, this is before the pen, This is before COVID-19. So the numbers were already getting, were trending bad before COVID hit. And now COVID's here, for like we got like 90%. We're in a 90% need at this point. <laughs> right. But, but this, is what, this is what we're talking about. When the numbers are skewed and you get bad uh, analysis uh, results, it comes into stuff like this. So like, Oh, we only need 1600 mechanics or technicians in the, in the next 10 years, which we know is a bold face is a bold face error because as we just said, like 1600, that's just three airports. There's way more than three airports in the entire U S alone. And then each of those airlines or each of those, uh, MROs are going to need way more than 1600 in just 10 years, especially because the talent pool for, uh, knowledgeable technicians is slowly dwindling because a lot of them they're retiring a lot of them are just getting they're not being as mobile and flexible as they used to and then pre-pandemic they were already starting to the work was or the growth was already outpacing the the workforce so they're getting burned out they're tired i don't want to do this no more they're having a change of heart 
So we're already seeing gaps in those, but yet they've already determined that we're only going to need 1600, which is asinine. Yeah, but then Boeing did an independent study and they found the need for 127,000 over the next 20 years. Um, yeah. It's a more realistic number. And that was just for the U.S. alone. That's not including our friends in Canada, Australia, Europe, you know, uh, Philippines, everywhere. Yeah. And that's just Boeing, too. There's all kinds of other places that deal with that, too. So you got Boeing and there's CFM who makes the leap engines for Airbus and and Boeing. And that's another thing, too. So when you have these subcontracted um, MROs or, or stations where they make parts or they repair parts or they they um, do assessments on parts, those are all mechanics, too, or technicians, too. And that what that can fall into either the detail group can since they're deep diving into these parts or they're deep diving into the aircraft or they can just be broad like kind of like your your general aviation service stations where like the 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 service tech is the is the pilot you know right so that's where it starts to become a problem that's kind of like where we tie back to at the very beginning where we said being a jack of all trades kind of sort of hurts you in the long run now we're not saying just dial it back and be a master in one thing because then, because now you're playing into the group. It's like, well, we don't need this detailed group no more. So we're just going to go ahead and ax that because we used to rely on X, Y, Z. Now we're into this new technology and that kind of phases these guys out. So now you're out of a job. So (laughs) Uh, what, um, what we can see about this, and this is what kind of the article is suggesting is we need to, push more awareness to this. We need to push more uh, separated uh, categories for these. Like not just having everyone fall into the same group, exist in one place and exist in the other. And then that's what throws up our numbers. Right. And then we also need to get the department of labor and, and, uh, and uh, the social security office all on the same page too. Yes. And then how how do you do that other than, is that reaching out to your senator and and having them punch something up? I, you know, I don't know. If somebody is very savvy on that side of things, please let us know. We, we'd love to We either create the petition or, or sign the petition or something. I, I don't know how that works, but. Yeah. And then, and then likewise, there's or these all these different organizations like this one, this article came up uh, with this. Uh, Eric. Aircraft Maintenance Fraternal Association. There's other ones listed on this article as well where like um, we can support these kind of groups that actually try to help uh, standardize a lot of this stuff. I think that's the big one. The key, a good, a key move there too is they're trying to standardize the requirements for this stuff and then what separates them from being skilled and unskilled. Because that's another thing too that th- uh, this article mentions is there's no separation between a certified licensed technician from an unlicensed one or uncertified one they're just kind of grouped together in the mix like aircraft maintenance technician yes so yeah but I, you know i know tons of people but i know tons of people in the industry that don't have an a and p license but have been working in aviation for longer than me yeah right so so that's gonna get tough so how do you determine who's right if you got people with 20 years of of military where it's not required Mm -hmm. and they go and work for a military contractor who also doesn't require it for 
many of their programs. You know, how do you determine at that point what's, you know, the licensing and, and, and to the skilled versus unskilled or whatever else, you know? Right. Now, and then, and there, we'll probably hear some comments right along the lines like, well, just get them a license. Just give them a cert, right? True. It can be. But again, this kind of goes into that whole convoluted step of like detailed versus minor versus broad versus narrow. Right. All, you, all you're doing is you're just saturating the field with licenses or uh, certifications. And then we, as we all know, when you saturate something of one thing, it just becomes irrelevant. And then they just kind of start. Right. They say like, it's kind of like how like with college degrees right now, like, yep. They say like, oh, everyone get a degree, get a degree. Cool. And then now your whole workforce is saturated with bachelors. So what's the next separation? Oh, get a master's degree. Yeah. And I I mean, I'm seeing that right now where it's basically, hey, you know, we, yeah, you've been doing the position for a lot longer than, than these other over here. Uh, But one has a PhD in applied mathematics and the other one, you know, has uh, two bachelors. So yeah, they don't have as much of experience as you and you only have one degree. So, but they're an easier sell to HR because they have more. What the, that's how it's literally going. So like, like we were saying earlier, and as six has said now, um, with, with, if you saturate the whole industry with, with licenses, then everything, everything is nothing, you know? So I like where they're going with this is like, we need to push for, uh, a more standardized way of having to dis, uh, distinct, make things more distinct, which I think is a lot easier because it's easier to verify someone to a standard than to just accept a certificate saying that this is what we deem as the standard because now you're just going to have people who are very good at getting certified in things and don't know dick shit about the actual performance requirements. And we can always say like, oh, that's based on the certifying body where they're smart enough or they're good enough to actually do the job, which is true. But now we're rolling into the marketing of things of how one certifying body can market one better than the other. And they're no much different other than how much money they pay to get to put their face on a brand. You know, that's that's a whole nother thing. <laughs> that's we, we that's something that we ourselves are not too savvy out, but. But again, like what we're saying with this one and what this article is saying is like we should push for something more standardized, at least something along the lines like this is how we verify your skill set. And this is how we're basing it off of versus just broad versus narrow versus detailed versus whatever. And then what this article says and us ourselves, we're kind of learning this too, is they're urging of technicians to become more concerned about the craft about being concerned about the industry, about how we're being categorized, how we're being designated. Because how this stuff plays in affects our benefits, affects our wages, affects how we're classified. Pay, yeah. Pay, yeah, and disability claims and stuff like that. MVP and I, can we can attest to the highest degree of how like a simple designation can mean a big pay gap. In, or in benefit and benefits as well. Like, oh yeah, one job we were at, we were doing the work of basically uh, a DOM. We were, we were two DOMs existing in an airfield, but just the big, just because they coded us a certain way, we were classified as, or we were being paid and and rated as clerks. Like, yeah, I'm, we were. Well, I think uh, we, I, I think you found that one night digging through some documents. Yeah, 
So we're basically DOMs, directors of maintenance, dire- associate directors of programs or whatever, whatever you guys want to slice Pro this. supers, maintenance control, um, quality in some aspects, you know? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're like basically running an air effect, I'm shy of being the, an, the airport facilities side of things. Like I'm making sure the logistics of getting the toilets cleaned. I'm, I'm the logistics of getting the water power, water and powers uh, fed through the, the whole facility. Shy of that basically ran everything else. I, we did everything from weather to the documentation to get signed. But again, going back to how we were classified under occupation, we were basically clerks. Like I'm just, mm-hmm. the, I'm just shy of being alone. What do you call it? Not even like I'm like the service desk out of AutoZone, you know? Oh man, basically, uh, we're, we were, if you look at the pay ban, let's say for, a, for, you know, for an admin assistant, we were towards the middle to up middle to slightly above middle of a pay ban for, for an admin assistant. That's what it is. That's exactly what it is. An admin assistant. I was like, oh, I was going to service take. No, that's not it. <laughs> I was having a brain fart for a second just because it was so annoying how that was man like and and the, and it, it didn't help that the responsibility um designation didn't really help either because we would there were times where it's like oh you guys are just this like well this just this <laughs> designation or this just this office yeah it's kind of what makes the difference between your flight happening and you guys getting your asses handed to you so but yeah they'd say well you're just this well if i do just that just this then Good luck with everything else. And I think we played that game for about a week. <laughs> and, and basically, basically, and we had a good boss, right? You say, well, why would you even stay in that role? Well, we stayed for as long as we did because we had a good, we had a good boss. I enjoyed, I, I enjoyed working for him. He was a good guy and he knew the reality of the situation. He wouldn't bullshit you. But we, well, we were like, okay, we'll play that. And, you know, with other department leadership, like, okay, well, we're just this then. And then finally my, our boss came to us anyway. He's like, he's like, all right, yield. I yield. He's like, He's like, uh, please continue doing what you're doing. He goes, I understand why you were doing it. He goes, I'm not mad at you. He's like, he's like, but oh my God. He's like the, uh, the meetings and the stuff that I got to sit in and listen to the next day. Everybody's crying that nothing's happening. Like, oh, I, weird how nothing's happening. If we just do what they say we are. Right. <laughs> you know, you, know like, what you, I mean? might want, you might want to codify that into some, into writing or something. Just so yeah. everyone's on the same shitty music that if it comes out of this office, it means this, right? Not because you guys think it's so, it's because it's been determined. So <laughs> yep, <laughs> not, not, exactly. not trying to flex our dicks as hard as we could, but that's an example, a very extreme example of like just having a, a code shy can mean such a big, can, make, can have such a big impact. Well, like, let's look at it from the AOG realm, right? Sorry to cut you off, but let's look at it from the AOG realm. You as an AOG tech are expected to work everything as I outlined earlier, but we also had some guys on the floor who were same pay as me, but didn't have, they were missing like three, three different systems experience. Like one guy, he couldn't know he couldn't go on jobs that required engine work because he didn't have any engine experience. Okay. Well, well, what's his experience? Oh, he's a sheet metal guy. Okay. Well, those, calls are fewer and further between. Uh, So what do we do with this guy? Right? Well, we're just going to have him clean up around the shop and stuff today. So he's going to get paid the same amount that I am, but I'm, I'm out there 
Yeah, it was just like we. That's why we need these 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 things to be broken down further. I guess is what I'm getting at because just calling because just calling them AOG wasn't wasn't fair to the ones who had had the experience and the know how and the skill set. Or you would have to be called in on an off day and say, "Hey, you know, this guy's got a got a job up here in Santa Barbara, and it's got uh, you know, you know potential oil leak, or it's got uh, it's not making power in the right engine." Okay, mm-hmm. well, he's got the manuals. He can call the FSR. Uh, no, we don't really like. We we need somebody to go play oversight. Well, okay, but why is he making the same hourly that I am right now? I'm getting all overtime for going on that day, so whatever you can, I can see both sides, right? Mm-hmm. I can see both sides, but it's also not fair that I have to go in on on one of my off days because that person doesn't have the same skill uh set that i had but were labeled the same yep within these brackets that we've talked about today right and then this this kind of factors into like say your your workforce requirements too right like i need to have x amount of technicians i have to have x amount of inspectors etc 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 and the that's where the the title designations really come into effect because like well he's technically one so that fulfills my my workforce requirements you don't get in trouble you continue de- uh, on with your day and then say the person who got the title or got the designation. Now they're laughing their way to the bank because now they have that as a resume builder. And so they go to move somewhere else where they're less qualified, but they have that on their back saying, Oh, I, I've done this. So that means that I, this equates to this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, you start turning into title chasers, right? Where like it, your amount of work is not that great or is not that, uh, impactful, impressive, but yeah. you look good on paper. Yes, that's it. That's exactly it. So, so another reason, I, I, and I've learned this recently, right? Going through, <clears throat> going through uh, contract auditing and stuff. Yes, um, there's things called LCRs. Um, what's it? What's that stand for? Uh, something con, uh, lit least contract requirements uh, basically with certain jobs within a contract um you're required to have for certain parts so let's say security right yep uh when you hire somebody for security they have to have they have to hit the x amount of wickets for security uh accreditations um um knowledge base um schooling uh time and service right for certain positions within the security realm. So the security manager has to hit, let's say there's five wickets. The security manager definitely has to hit all five. The deputy has to hit four. Um, your analysts have to hit three and everybody else, you know, two or two or less. Mm-hmm. And that's, those are contractual requirements and you can get in massive trouble if you are employing people in those positions that with, that have LCRs attached to them because, um, that has been deemed what's necessary to ensure that that department runs the way it's supposed to for that program and contract. Yep. So, you know, the getting back to the AMT, AMT thing here, uh, you know, within different companies, I mean, I would almost think you would have, uh, you could call them LCNs or whatever you want to call them when we break down these designations. But if you're, if you're the DOM, you know, you should probably hit five, if you're the deputy, four. If you're a senior, uh, three or four. 
senior lead mech three or four, and then, you know, designated down from there. But I, I think it's almost necessary um, because if six goes and he's got his A and P and he's got um, 15 years military on this platform and he's got, you know, uh, DOM experience and he's got, uh, um, he's been to hydro school and engine school for this platform and he and I go into the job together and, and he and I are getting paid the same, but yet he's got to train me on everything every day because I have zero experience and time and service on that platform and zero schooling. Maybe I have the A&P and that's it, but I don't have the years in, I don't have the hydro school. I don't have the engine school, the gen fam for that. I don't have the airframe gen fam. I don't have whatever avionics system that that uh, platform employs, you know, maybe he's been to the school for that. Um, but yet he and I are going to get hired in at the same level and the same grade. That's, that's almost unfair and insulting for the time that he's put in. And to the time it's, he's taken to better himself and obtain those specifics for that platform. Right. And, uh, there, there. That's a that's a whole other thing that you that to consider, especially, let's say, like the person who got hired or you got hired for that same level. Maybe you have equivalent experience on something else. Like you just need to get hired on or trained on the specifics. That that goes into little things. But I get where MVP is saying, like, if you don't be, have at least the basic um, wickets for a specific job code, right? Like what we're trying to illustrate here, then why are we going to bring you in for that, right? And then that's kind of like the problem here when we're grouping everyone into into the same group at the same time at the same existence is because we can't disseminate what that is. And there should be a way to to look that up without having to ask the person directly during an interview. Like I should I already yeah, have or read it on their resume or something like a yeah. database of some of some type. Right. Like um, it's kind of like when you do an audit, you re- you you research and you ask the question to clarify. Like you don't ask the question to, to uh, gain knowledge or to know it first time. You're, you kind of have an idea of what's going on already and you're doing that just to verify. Because at that point, you're just trying to see if they're, if they're in the wickets, if they're on the curve, or if they're completely out and they just lied on their resume. Or they just, <laughs> right, or yeah, they right. just lied on their job. And you yeah. can kind of tell right off the bat once you start questioning them. But when you, like say someone's resume says A&P, uh, AOG, DOM, this and that. So it's like, oh, this dude should know a whole lot of shit, right? So you start thinking of harder questions in your head, right? And you start asking this person and they just blank, like, yeah, we're done here. <laughs> yeah, or what if they say, oh, I was the DOM? Well, were you really or did your boss call out that day and you were his DOA for one day? Yes. <laughs> and so now you're putting DOM as... uh as what you did. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I've seen yeah, that. Maybe you're experienced enough that you can fill in for a day, but to, uh, to run the show day in, day out, week in, week out, year in, year out, you know, um, it's a different, yes. different can of worms. Cause there's other things the DOM's doing that you didn't do on your one day as the delegate of authority. Right. Yes. Like you're, you pulled the weekend duty, you know, for one time and then, <laughs> you know, yeah. like you're just the bridge. And then it's always with that caveat. If something happens, call me. Right. It's because like you've overstepped your your uh, allocated duties or your designation. And so it needs to elevate up. They're not going to ask you to 
to solve the question right then and there, unless you specifically know the answer. But yeah, <laughs> I've seen that happen so many times and guys bit off way more than they can chew. And they're just like, how the fuck did you get here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So in other words, right, for all this, right, uh, there's a lot of these groups and, and unions are pushing for it to standardize stuff. And they're also, I think as of 2017, they're looking about revamping the AMP certification process where they are with that. We don't know and what sort of stuff they're going to include or exclude. So anyone who's going through a school right now, please tell us like what sort of stuff are they pushing onto you as basic requirements than it was when we went through back in like the early 2000s. Cause I bet it's more avionics heavy than when I went through. I, I want to say you're right. I want to say you're right. Cause I remember uh, one uh, listener was showing us examples of digital logic. And to be honest, I didn't know what the fuck he was, he was showing. <laughs> you know, like, like, All right. <laughs> cause I'm like, uh, it, cause it looked, it looked like, uh, like models of a DNA strand. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. th- this molecule does this and this molecule does that. I'm like what the fuck the dinosaurs I- have 24 DNA molecules. That's exactly what I heard in my head right now. Yeah. So like what from the, the first Jurassic Park. It's like, <laughs> what the fuck is this? Right. I was like, oh, it's digital logic. Like, you already lost me. <laughs> and especially people who are doing digital logic right now, there's like so much math and there's so much um, uh, gates. Let's call them. Let's call them gates that have to occur just to make a, a light turn on or just to make a, a warning sound, right? All this chain of events that have to happen. It sounds so automatic, but when you break it down, right, it turns into like this whole matrix of shit that you got to pass through in order to make it work. I'm like, Kudos to you guys, man, because my my brain explodes anything outside of third grade math. So, <laughs> 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 but but yeah, and so um, with this article with this group, uh, the Aircraft Maintenance Fraternal Association, there's other ones too that were cited by these individuals. One second, who are they? Um, there is like. I can't figure out. We'll have it on the show notes, but there's all kinds of groups out there like the AMC arrow. That's another group are the, the ones who hold like that AMC competition that their whole mission of that is to bring awareness to just how skillful these individuals have to be to keep playing flying safe groups like that is kind of what's helping us in the long run to ensure that we're having the right standards codified correctly and having the government entities that oversee this that take statistics and make decisions off of these are getting the right info so they're not just blanket shotgunning us into things and just saying stuff like oh we only need 1600 mechanics in the next 10 years like right yeah we know sorry go ahead i was like which we know is like 100 false i mean like yeah 160,000 like in the next two weeks. <laughs> yeah, the unfortunate side is, is in, with many other people in other industries, the the decisions on your your trade are being determined by those who have never ever worked in your trade. Yep. They, so, only, they only have experienced the results of your trade, which is flying to their vacation. Yeah. You know, uh, but you know, they're, they're, they're calling the shots on, on your life. Yep. So like, I think a biggest, another big takeaway from all of this, from this article from us is like, we want to be at that table or at least someone with a connected, resonated voice from us to them of like, this is our needs. This is what needs to happen. And this is how we can all help each other along. So 
we're all getting an equal and fair share of the of the pie here. <laughs> yeah, and it should happen because uh I mean obviously since aviation began, uh it's not going away and it's only going to grow as our, you know, technology exp- you know develops uh and we start being able to shoot to more off-world, you know, locations in the space side specifically. Um and the world keeps getting smaller as we develop faster and faster and more efficient a- aircraft and um, it's just going to become the new way to travel uh, more than what it already is, I guess, you know, you know, Oh, I, I need to go from, from my home to San Diego. Well, I'm just going to jump in my Uber quadcopter and take it there, you know, like that. <laughs> can, you, can, you imagine, can you imagine well, that's that something like that's already being developed and tested? Really? Oh yeah. I got a buddy who works on that program. Sweet. Can you imagine that Uber helicopter? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, think about like in places like Los Angeles alone. I mean, that now maybe it gets a little tight in the air, depending on if you had as many of those quadcopters in the air as you had cars on the road. But I mean, think about what that would do for for congestion or, or your commute time. Yeah, you're absolutely you know? right. Yeah. I w- or you I'm get not- you get a, a quadcopter ride share where there's six of you. Packed into one and you're all going down downtown LA for work. But God, if you can save yourself two and a half, three hours of commute time. Almost Most definitely. You're absolutely right on that. That's actually pretty good. So whoever's doing Uber helicopter, man, hit hit us, hit us up. (laughs) I'm so (laughs) down for that. I'm all up for that program, especially to miss out on California traffic. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Any, any final thoughts on any of this MVP? No, um, it's good to, it's good to know that there is, groups out there looking out for our best interest because i gotta tell you even it said in the article of misleading information and i was i was privy to that misleading information where we were unskilled and nobody gave a damn yep Uh, same same here so it's nice to know that there's groups looking out for our interest and trying to change the narrative and everything that goes with it very much so and like you said man i fell into that that hole too and a lot of us are and it's 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 kind of sad to hear that we're wrong but we're also kind of right, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you're wrong, but you're right. I'm like, uh, what? <laughs> yep. I guess uh, my final thoughts are we are everything and nothing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, got him. <laughs> Bye everyone. Bye everybody. <laughs> but, but again, yeah, this, so this, like what MVP is saying, there's groups out there that are doing this. Uh, you guys can help out too, by if you search the aircraft maintenance fraternal association, there's other groups out there as well, and it's listed on their site. I just can't figure out where at the moment uh, that actually help out. There's the AMC Aero team that holds the AMC competition that also pushes for this stuff. They're all over about getting technicians, the dudes that they're worth, and then bringing awareness to that as well. Uh, there's also a petition to your congressman, however uh, efficient that's going to be. But there's means. There's means for us to do so. And in the end, this is all going to help us uh, to make sure that our wages are correct, that our experience levels are are annotated correctly, and then all the stats that determine our livelihood for the next 20, 30, 50 years is accurate. So this stuff can this stuff really does matter if you really think about it. Or you can just step out of aviation and go somewhere like an electrician where like you guys have your own um dialed in certifications. But I mean, he said she said at this point. Um, if you have any questions for us and you like have some comments or like to share an experience about how this stuff breaks down, send us a line either via email, visit our website at cancelfulmaintenance.com or 
just shoot us a line on one of our uh, socials like Instagram, Facebook, and stuff like that. We're very keen on answering them as quickly as we can. And if you have any other show ideas, like some other topics you'd like us to break down or explore, this was actually kind of fun for us because this helped dispel a lot of misconceptions that we ourselves had. And oh, we yeah. ourselves have talked. Big learning experience for me. Right. And again, it doesn't kind of help when it says you're wrong, but you're also right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Again, shoot us those either website or socials. And on that note, thanks again, everybody. And we will see you again next time. Bye, everyone. We'd like to take this time to thank our patrons for supporting our show and allowing us to continue to make episodes, maintain our gear, and create merch for all of our listeners with special thanks to Erica Lamont, Chris Hawkins, Ryan Frushauer, Dan Schubert, Jenny Dignan, and the ladies of the Dick Talk and Mimosas podcast. Thank you all so much for your support and patronage. Visit our shop at cancelformaintenance.com and grab some swag to show off both your support for us and your prowess as an aircraft technician. If you have ideas for the show or you'd like to be a guest on the show, visit our contact us section and send us a line. We will do what we can to get your ideas or yourself on the show. You can also follow us on social media such as on Facebook at Cancel for Maintenance, Instagram at Kanks, that's C-A-N-X for Maintenance Podcast, or on Twitter at CXMX Podcast. Check out some of our affiliates like Rockwell Time, where they make both rugged and classy watches to fit your lifestyle. Use the code CX4MX and save 10% off your purchase. Support us on Patreon. Our patrons get exclusive perks such as access to our Discord, discounts and early access to merch, special patron-only episodes, and so much more. Thank you again so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.